Greetings podcast listeners, and welcome back to another episode of my series on Hitler's Germany. In this episode, I'll be looking at how Hitler consolidated his power from 1933 to 1934 through the use of methods such as laws, violence, and propaganda. The following podcast is based on the Cambridge A-Level History Curriculum. Following his appointment as Chancellor in January 1933, Hitler began to take steps to consolidate his power. Let's begin with a quick timeline on his consolidation of power, and for your information, I'll go more in-depth later in the episode. On the 27th of February 1933, the Reichstag headquarters burned down, the Nazis blamed this on the communists, and as a result, Hitler was granted emergency powers, also known as the Degree of the Reich President, for the protection of the nation and the state. On the 7th of March, the Communist Party was banned, with the Nazis citing the Reichstag fire as the reason for this. On the 13th, a new Ministry for Public Enlightenment and Propaganda was created, and on the 24th, the Enabling Act was implemented. On the 7th of April, a civil service law was implemented, banning certain groups of people from civil service, such as Jews and Communists. In June 1933, the Socialist Party was banned. On the 14th of July, a law against the formation of new parties was implemented. On the 20th of July, Hitler signed the Reich Concordat with the Vatican. On the 14th of October, the Reichstag was dissolved, signifying a loss of democracy with Hitler's rule. On the 30th of January 1934, the law for the reconstruction of the state abolished Germany's state governments, with the exclusion of Prussia, which remained separated by the Polish Corridor. On the 30th of June, the Night of the Long Knives began, where Hitler centralised the Nazi Party leadership and secured his power. Finally, on the 2nd of August, President Hindenburg died, and Hitler officially combined and assumed the role of Führer and Reich Chancellor on the 19th of August. Now let's go more in-depth into the obstacles which Hitler had to overcome, and the actions he had to take in order to secure his leadership. The first obstacle was political, the head of the government, President Hindenburg. The obstacle kind of resolved itself. Hitler waited for Hindenburg to die as the president of Weimar Germany at the time, and the only role above Chancellor. And he knew that Hindenburg only had a few months of life left. He then held a vote following his death, and thereafter, he combined the roles of Chancellor and President to give him complete totalitarian rule over Germany as Führer. Another obstacle was the Nazi Party's paramilitary, the Sturmabteilung, and especially their leader, Ernst Röhm. The problem with Ernst Röhm was not just that he was gay, which went against Nazi belief and policy, but that he held too much power. Therefore, on the 30th of July, during the Night of the Long Knives, Hitler used violence to suppress the obstacle. He had his personal SS kidnap and murder Rom. As the SA were loyal to Ernst Rom, Hitler feared that collectively the SA could overthrow him. Therefore, he had the major SA leaders murdered and disbanded the Sturmabteilung. The third obstacle was in regards to the Weimar government, specifically the Communist and Socialist parties. Hitler used legislature to ban the Communist and Socialist parties from partaking in elections, deeming them enemies of the state. This removed the potential threats to his power, as these two political groups were arguably the largest parties outside the Nazis, receiving 38% of the votes collectively in November 1932. The fourth obstacle was religion, and Hitler used conciliation to resolve the problem. He signed the Reich Concordat with Pope Pius XI on the 20th of July in 1933, in which the Catholic Church promised to keep out of political affairs in return for Hitler agreeing to their independence. This was necessary because the church had a very powerful influence. 
Finally, in regards to the Weimar government's Reichstag as a whole, which was a huge obstacle for Hitler's power, he used both violence and legislature to remove it as an obstacle. On the 27th, the Reichstag headquarters burnt down, and he was able to gain power through the Reichstag fire, as he convinced Hindenburg to grant him powers through the decree of the Reich president for the protection of the nation and the state. Now, it's widely believed that the communists were the ones that caused this fire, but there are also some historians that believe that the Nazis caused it themselves. Furthermore, on the 14th of October, Hitler dissolved the Reichstag, removing the influence that those in power in the Reichstag held, as they could vote against him. Now let's move on to Hitler's use of propaganda and how he indoctrinated the German people. There is another man who was instrumental to this, and that is Dr. Joseph Goebbels, Reich Propaganda Minister, President of the Reich Chamber of Culture, and Director of the Reich Propaganda Central Office of the NSDAP. As Reich Propaganda Minister, he controls the Reich Ministry for Popular Enlightenment and Propaganda. This is split into 12 departments, Legislation, Budget and Personnel, Propaganda Coordination, Broadcasting, German Press, Film, Theatre, Foreign Press, Literature, Fine Arts, Music, and Folk Culture. Due to its massive importance, there are Reich propaganda offices in all regions. Meanwhile, he was the president of the Reich Chamber of Culture. This is split into seven chambers. Reich Press Chamber, Reich Radio Chamber, Reich Chamber of Film, Reich Chamber of Literature, Reich Theatre Chamber, Reich Chamber of Music, and Reich Chamber of Fine Arts. To manage this, there are 31 special regional sub-offices. Finally, he was the director of the Central Propaganda Office of the Nazi Party. This was split into two departments, the first in charge of active propaganda, films, broadcasting, culture, and liaison, and the second in charge of management, party propaganda, mobile technical equipment units, party exhibitions, and trade fairs. To control this, there were local party offices in all regions. In regards to press, the Nazis controlled journalists, editors, and publishers through compulsory membership. The Reich Press Chamber included the Reich Association of the German Press, which kept a register of acceptable editors and journalists. In October 1933, a law made editors responsible for any infringements of government directives, and the content of newspapers had to be pro-Nazi, otherwise publication would be suspended. It became treason to spread false news and rumour, or basically anything against the Nazi state. Over time, the Nazi ownership of the media grew from 3% in 1933 to 69% in 1939 and finally to 82% by 1944. Radio was also very important for the Nazi party, with Goebbels describing it as the spiritual weapon of the totalitarian state. In 1933, 50 broadcasts were transmitted and in 1935, the estimated audience for Hitler's key speeches reached 56 million, out of a population of just under 70 million. In 1934, the Nazis established a unified radio system and purged it of anti-Nazi elements. In 1935, there were 7 million radio sets in Germany, and by 1943, this had increased to 16 million due to government subsidies and investment. As a result of this, by 1939, 70% of households owned one radio. There were also communal loudspeakers in order to reach those who could not afford radios. From 1933 to 1942, the Nazi government increased its share in the major film companies and nationalised all of them. The Reich Film Chamber regulated the content of both German-made and imported films, with many foreign films being banned. Films were classified under categories such as politically and artistically valuable, culturally valuable, and a film of the nation and valuable for youth. Over 1,000 feature films were produced by Nazi producers. One of the most well-known producers was Leni Riefenstahl, 
who was commissioned to make detailed recording of rallies and festivals. Their most famous films were Triumph of the Will, released in 1935 about the 1934 Nuremberg Rally, and Olympia, released in 1938 about the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin. Some films glorified the struggle for power, and three anti-Semitic films were released in 1940 to stress the Jewish problem. The infamous film The Eternal Jew showed Jews as a parasitic race within the nation. Rallies were also held, using disciplined mass movements, stirring music, striking flags and symbols, often at night, in order to create a powerful feeling of wishing to belong, encouraging more German supporters. The rallies were followed by Hitler's charismatic speeches, often with a particular subject and purpose, as with the programmatic title which was given to the annual Nuremberg rallies. The Nazis also modified the calendar to create a cult of personality around Hitler and the Nazis. Key dates of the Nazi party were celebrated, such as the 30th of January, the day of seizing power, 24th of February, the anniversary of the founding of the party, the 20th of April, Hitler's birthday, the second Sunday of May to celebrate Mother's Day, as with the birth policies of Germany. On these days, rallies were held in cities while streets were draped with swastika flags. Those who failed to celebrate the festivals could be reported to the Gestapo. Hitler also used sport as propaganda. The mass sporting displays presented a healthy and strong nation. The 1936 Olympic Games especially showed the strength of Germany as they won the most medals and used the event to show off their military strength. The construction of autobahns also showed the industrial might of the German nation. By 1942, 3,870 kilometres of autobahn had been completed. Photographers, the news and even painters conveyed the message of a revived German nation working together for the common goal, symbolising the political strength, willpower and achievement of Hitler's Germany. Art was also incorporated into propaganda. All working artists had to become members of the Reich Culture Chamber. A series of well-attended national and local exhibitions were held, with titles including Autobahns of Adolf Hitler Through the Eyes of Art, The Glory of Labour, German Father, German Land, Blood and Soil, and Race and Nation. A series of massive sculptural muscle men paraded on or in front of Nazi buildings, reflecting the biological, pure, vigorous iron race, as in addition to this art propaganda. Hitler also drew up plans for a magnificent restructured centre of Berlin, aiming at creating a new world capital, Germania, in order to present a strong nation. In May 1933, the Nazi party organised a cleanse of literature called the Burning of Books Ceremony, in which 20,000 books were not approved by the Nazis were burned. Music was controlled by the Reich Chamber of Music. Stirring music and tales of German heroes were used to create a sense of patriotism, and were especially played in marches and rallies. Finally, posters were a massive element of Nazi propaganda. They were widely used to promote Nazism, anti-Semitism, domestic policies, and Hitler's leadership. Look out on my website for updates, linked below. I'm in the process of writing an essay plan of positives and negatives for each factor of both Mussolini and Hitler's rule. Please subscribe to be notified when the next episode is released. And thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast.